0: Howdy, yokes! Before we get started today, I wanted to take a brief moment to talk about the Black Lives Matter movement and what you can be doing to help. As privileged white men, we believe and know that it is our duty not just to be non-racist, but rather to be vocally anti-racist. Since the inception of this nation, black people have been treated unfairly, and it's not because the system is broken. It was designed to fail black people. Police brutality is our reality, and we condemn the actions of those who have pledged to serve and protect communities, but instead have allowed countless deaths at the hands of blatant police brutality towards Black people, and allowed officers to get off free when they clearly violate these rights. The tragedy is this: this pattern of behavior isn't news, but Ahmad Arbery, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and countless others who have lost their lives, lost their lives simply because of the color of their skin. But just talking about it and posting about it isn't enough. The time for change is now. Included in the description of this episode are places you can go to sign petitions, donate, read, learn, listen to, and support the black community. Make a change and make it now. This is not a partisan issue. This is an issue of compassion. It's okay to learn something new and it's okay to learn you've been wrong. And it's okay to discover compassion. Black lives matter. (laughs) W-B-N-E.
1: Howdy, yokes. This episode is a little different from your normal episode of Bacon and Eggs. We sat down to have an important conversation with an old friend, and it got a little intense. For this reason, this episode is being presented to you uncensored and largely unedited. There is profanity, and a fairly good amount of it. Maybe... Don't listen to this one with your children, but I'll let you decide that. In addition, I want to put out a pretty large content warning for this one. This episode contains mentions of suicide, self-harm, sexual assault, sex, sexuality, queerness, homosexuality, and pretty much everything else on the LGBTQIA plus spectrum. Reparative therapy, religion, politics, specifically American politics, specifically the mixing of religion and American politics, uh, violence, theology, and generally almost anything else you could possibly think of. If any of these topics might make you uncomfortable we recommend just kind of skipping this one and maybe go listen to our episode about love simon instead it's got a lot of the same themes but it's a lot more gentle anyway if you're still here i bring you our full unadulterated conversation with author with author and queer christian leader kevin garcia
0: Howdy, yucks and welcome back to Bigoted Eggs! I'm Tyler Garland, And I'm Ethan Edgehill. And today, we're spending our summer in Italy. Or maybe we're just eating an apricot. So prepare an apricot. And let's
1: go for a swim. Because today, we're bringing you Call Me By Your Name.
0: Alright! Before we get started today, we are joined by a really, really special guest. Uh, This person inspires me every day to be a better version of myself. Uh, the day that I met him when I was a freshman in college is I, I remember to this day because we shook hands and he told me all about Sigma Phi Epsilon and I thought he was
1: talking about finding Phi <laughs> Phi alpha I tried so I to rushed find me alpha you. It was I a tried good time I tried to
2: recruit you it's
1: horrible <laughs> <laughs> It sounded like your recruiting succeeded but in the wrong way And you know what <laughs> it yeah,
0: succeeded it was... in the wrong way Yeah. Uh, he is the author of the book Big Bad Theology Kills uh, he is a master of something, and we're just so excited to have Kevin on the show. Kevin Masters in Garcia, welcome theology. to Bacon and Eggs.
2: I'm so glad to be here. Thank you practical for having theology. me. And I am just, uh, just a joy to be here. It's so good to see both of you, like honest to goodness.
1: It has been so long, Kevin. You graduated Kevin, a million years ago. I don't know if you this. Do you, Kevin, you know how like there's people in your life that like have
0: little lollipop moments where they have like a huge impact and, and they I don't think they ever realize it? Do you know, like, are you familiar with the concept I'm talking about?
2: Yes, because I've had that with um, other humans in my life, where if uh, they don't know that something they said changed my life or did something, and it's just like, oh my god.
0: Yeah, I have like six of those, specifically with you. Oh my
2: goodness. Six? When I was in, when we were I, in well, well, maybe six. I mean, I was just like, I'm just thinking back to like college. Like, I was s- such oh. a mess.
1: Like... <laughs>
0: Like such, a you mess. were
1: the right kind of mess when we needed you though
0: oh well that is that is good yeah to know. you're definitely the right kind of mess when we needed you 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 i sent you i think a facebook message i could probably go back and find it and you were the first person to buy me alcohol uh oh, so thanks gosh. i'm
2: such a good uh, friend <laughs>
0: it was a six pack of stella artois <laughs> go me very classy <laughs> No, actually, I don't think it was. Rethinking. I think it was a six-pack of Newcastle brown ale. Ooh. I was very... I love a brown ale. That sounds right. Uh, what else? I know that... So you the, You didn't even say anything, but you had a certain haircut that was very reminiscent of a band member that Ethan and I used to be a big fan of. And to like see another human being have that kind of confidence Wait, with their hair... What are we talking was about? was huge. And we had a conversation about Samson when you cut it off. We were talking about Adam T. Siska.
1: Oh, yeah. That guy. Yeah. Dude.
2: I I was very bold in that choice of a haircut. I will say, you know, I only dated one person in college, and we only dated for like two months. So like, (laughs) you know, choices, you know, choices.
0: I only dated like three people, and I'm married to one of them. So you know, Kevin was something of
1: an icon when Tyler and I were in college. It was he was the guy, one of those people that everybody knew, everybody.
0: It was a weird and just a joy to be around. I just want to stroke your
2: ego as much as possible, Kevin. Listen, I'm not going to lie. I do enjoy having my ego and other things being stroked. Oh, what? Sex joke.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: so let's, speaking
1: of sex uh, jokes. So, Kevin, you are here to. Yeah, we're here to talk about a movie.
0: Yeah, we're talking about a good old we're, gay we're movie. We're here to kick off Pride Month. Good old gay movie, Oscar nominated gay movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Directed by a name that I will butcher, Luca Guadagnino, uh, came out November 24th, 2017, which as of this recording was 921 days ago, on a very small $3.3 million budget, made $41.9 million worldwide, got a 95% critic rating and an 86% audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 93% On Metacritic, which means that everybody liked it and liked it a lot.
1: I cannot imagine what they spent three point one million dollars on with this movie.
0: Location, location, location.
1: Yeah, I was going to say it had to have just cost a fortune to rent that giant house in Italy
0: for. However
1: long they were there for. Well, how long does it take to rent Army Hammer? Ooh. He was in the social network. <laughs> he was in the social network seven years earlier.
2: <laughs> I don't know, but I was very pleased exactly. when I saw him He's there. an expensive Oof. man. That movie and like when that movie came out, I didn't want to like it because I, I don't like to consume a lot of like heavy media because like life always feels very heavy to me. And so... Because of that, I'm always like, I want to look for the the very light thing or something funny um, or just watch reruns of Drag Race. Um, But someone, like when I heard all the hoopla about this, like there's like, no, you have to watch it. It's so sad, but you have to watch it. And I'm just like, I don't, like that sucks because I know that like I'm going to be sad in the end. And I was not weeping, but I definitely felt so heartbroken alongside Elio. I was like... (laughs) baby i will hold you
1: yeah this one really is is pretty feel good for a lot of it and then just kind of hits you there at the end kind of really just gives you a left a left hook right at the last minute
2: right in your fucking gut when you think that oh my god love might triumph but no love doesn't triumph god doesn't love you because you're gay and he's gonna get married to a woman because that's how it works in trump's america
1: 1985
0: not just any woman a a woman he's been dating for years That's the word like oh my god. I just uh, oh
1: well, so so correct me if I'm wrong though Obviously, I am not a young gay man. Um but I, I understand from, from friends that I've had that this is a not uncommon story for young gay men.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, where like you are, uh, you know, a young person in your queerness and you encounter an older person who is either further along in their queerness or at least willing to explore it with you. And so looking at where like Elio is in like Italy in the 80s, uh, it's not, he just, you know, this was probably like one of the first queer people he encountered, right? And so uh right. it's the same thing for so many of my friends. Um, I was scared into the closet till, uh, I was like halfway out in college and then wasn't really out till about six years ago. So like, if it wasn't for, you know, somebody who had gone before me in some way, like no way I would have been able to have the experiences I've had.
1: So why did you pick this movie? Like, what is it about this guy? Mm,
2: I think this, m- <laughs> what is it about this guy? <laughs> Which one? That's what I really need. Is it? Yes. Is it?
1: That's the question. isn't Timothee
2: it? Chalamet. Like, he makes, uh, oof. Well, it's one of those things where just, like, how old is he really? Because if he's 16, I don't want to make any comments because... He's 25. Re- Great. Then, absolutely. So, he would have
1: been 20, 21 to 22 when this was made.
2: Good enough for me, then. Um, I... <laughs> I mean, I have a rule. Like, my rule is, like, uh, like, six years, uh, six, minus six years plus ten years is my limit right now on age. Um, but he, uh, I think what I liked about it was... I saw myself in it. It was just like, and like for me, like it was like, wow, like what if I was able to like live into my fullness as a teen in a safe way, in a way that was positive where sex wasn't looked at as something that's uh, disgusting or um, unwanted. But it was like, you know, this is something that we can celebrate and, you know, explore together. I will say also like it gave me a new appreciation as using fruit and vegetables as sex toys. So
1: <laughs> Yeah. That was that was something man right right there in the middle um
2: oh i was with, like with, listen with Vin, the apricot. they've done that
1: <laughs> you got a lot of apricot trees in atlanta
2: uh no it's it's the peaches for sure um <laughs> and listen
1: there's apricots in georgia I mean georgia. i'm sure
2: there are we're just not known for them
1: yeah known for the peaches which right. is no, a, you know it'll, no it'll answer the same oh purpose.
2: you're just a georgia apricot no one calls you georgia apricot <laughs>
0: are you great you're from virginia though right you're like from, the, from uh, the coast. yes
2: and no i grew up in tennessee in the boonies like in middle slash west tennessee and then i moved to uh williamsburg virginia when i was in high school then went to college in newport news and then you know decided to go be um a white savior missionary for a little bit that was weird
0: <laughs> you uh isn't your undergrad in jazz voice
2: uh choral music education with a minor in jazz like uh the certificate of jazz studies which is um just a fancy way of saying that like they wanted to give me something for all the time that i invested in all of those jazz courses before they cut the program
1: for all the jazz you did (laughs) yeah
2: yeah um but yeah i uh grew up there and it was um it was fun like i i enjoyed i enjoyed school for the most part minus the the fact that like i was running from myself nearly the entire time um and so right. school was like both like i enjoyed it very much i was a high performing depressive person and uh mm-hmm. you know i also was struggling a whole lot like just with who I was and what I wanted to be and, like, you know, being that kind of... Because uh, I was, like, a very, very strong Christian. Quote, unquote, whatever strong Christian means. They're religious. We'll say that. I was quite religious. I think I'm a better Christian now than right. I was then. I think I was just religious.
0: No such thing as a bad Christian, <sighs> right?
2: No, not a one. Especially that one who <sighs> gassed and shot rubber bullets at just so he could hold a Bible in front of the church who later condemned him. You know, I'm not saying that's y'all's little president out there, but... Uh. Anyways, you can edit that out
1: later if you need to. Oh, we won't. (laughs) Not Uh, right now.
2: Yeah, uh... So, yeah, I, I, I think what was interesting too about when i was in college versus even like the years after like it wasn't until 2012 when exodus international which was this big ex-gay organization like closed their doors and so i didn't even consider until then that i could actually be an open out queer person until that happened and then i graduated 2013 and you know it's turtles all the way down after that
1: and that's wild because now when super, I met you in 2011, I would have over. said, now, Kevin Garcia, that's someone who knows who they are.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would have said the same. That's one of the reasons that I, I looked up to you so mm-hmm. much was because I felt like you you had such an identity and you were so aware of yourself. But I also come from a, not like a super Christian tight knit world, but I definitely like I did not experience diversity mm-hmm. in high school. Like, yeah, no, not at all. There was, there was, there was maybe four black kids that went to my school. One gay kid, really nice guy, um, and otherwise it was like white suburban right. kids. And so, truth—I was thinking about this the other day. The first black teacher I had was in college and in college i only had one black teacher yeah. so just to to frame how how little diversity yeah. i had experienced now in my that life, i'm thinking college, back on it i think and
2: that might have been my experience as well
0: i had
1: no i had two i one had one black two. teacher
0: it was eldon sully and he, i think he's adjunct faculty as well
1: mm. who but the best ones always are though
0: yeah the adjunct really know. that's
1: why they're adjunct
0: right because they're busy being the best jazz musicians he taught Elementary improvisation. Oh, that's that's what I had him for. What a good guy. Uh, good, good guy. Um, so, when I came to college and I met this person who had this wild haircut, and oddly enough, this was an impact, had tattoos. Oh,
2: yeah. I was tatted up it was by
0: like them. Yeah. So, it was like, wow, people can really <laughs> express you themselves. You had the in chest tattoo, ways. and you
1: let everybody know that you had the chest tattoo.
0: I was very
2: proud of it. <laughs> I
0: invested my own money into
2: it, and so I wanted to show it off. So, I like, there was a, a steep increase in the number of v i wore in the subsequent year well as, as yeah, you should I mean, like, yeah. if you pay money for it, you might as well
0: may as well show it off now you gotta pay money for v
1: <laughs> that's what's really killed in the tattoo industry is lack of v everybody Absolutely. knows that <laughs>
0: everybody <laughs> it's not knows COVID. that and now
2: i'm like even more covered i have um i think i have 13 13 14 tattoos yeah
0: all this to say when i met you i was under the impression that you were as you as you could be and Mm. To see what you've blossomed into in the years since has been exciting Thank to you, watch.
1: Friend. Yeah, as somebody who's sort of followed your journey from not afar, but you know, from from the sidelines, it has been mm-hmm. it's been very cool.
2: I received that. Thank you. I appreciate that. It means a lot.
1: Before we get too far into this movie, tell us a little bit about your book and sure. your mission that you do.
2: Yeah. So. um Oh, what the fuck do I do? That's a real. Also, good do you question. have a bird? <laughs> um, the window is open.
1: Oh, okay. Next
2: to me, so there might be a bird next to me. So yes, I might. Some ambient sounds, some nature sounds, definitely for this bitch. You listen, if you all are driving down the road and you want to feel nature, you're welcome. You're welcome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just was like, I, does he have a pet? bird like that nah. is such a wild thing no
2: i really i'd be i i, I live in the it, tiny though. tiny little place so, like i can't have anything um but i'm moving in with my friend john um gonna sub lease room but that's a story for another time uh but the book and shit that i do right um stay on topic uh
1: so and take it wherever I, you want to like don't don't feel like you have to stay on topic just because sure. i asked you a question. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, so I guess like the, like to, to tell you, like explain what I do, I need to explain a little bit of my background, I think. Um, so like when I yeah. met y'all, I was, like I said, half in, half out of the closet and uh, was trying really hard to be a good Christian. And um, so I tried to do that via being a missionary. And then I tried to do that via, you know, being a good like youth leader at my church, like really killing myself for the community of the church and hoping that if I like did all this good stuff, God would heal me of my homosexuality TM. And that I would, um, find myself a woman, like a Proverbs 31 woman to hold me and to love me. Um, but, uh, the problem was, is like, I really, really, really liked boys, you know, just, <laughs> right. I can't help it. And, uh. But it it took me until um, I remember it distinctly. It was November or it was January one two thousand and sixteen. No two thousand and fourteen. Yeah, when I started questioning everything because I was just like, why am I doing this? Like why like like why am I like pushing away something that feels so natural to me? But then of course because um, how ex-gay theology and reparative thea- th- reparative therapy works is that as soon as you start having like doubt thoughts, your um, limbic system gets triggered, and you immediately start being afraid that you're going to go to hell if you don't go back to what you were doing. So I was constantly like in a whirlwind of like, I hate this, I'm going to be myself, I'm going to be out and gay, and oh god, I don't want to go to hell. Jesus please save me. So and that's a pretty violent and gross cycle to be in. Um and Right,
0: it's pretty extreme. Yeah.
2: So fast forward, I come back from being a missionary because I can't handle it. I attempt my uh, attempt to take my life twice. Doesn't work. Really glad mm. about that in hindsight. And I come out of that saying, okay, either I'm wrong and all, like, you know, it's okay to be gay or I need to commit to being celibate. And tell you what, I'm just like, listen, I don't wanna be celibate because that sounds awful. Not having sex for your whole life, not being able to get married, like not that I really wanna get married, but like I want the option, you know? If I wanna bring a whole bunch of brats into this world, you know, and make them in my own image, I want that option. But like this path of just like giving up in my entire life for the sake of heaven later did nothing for the hell that I was living in the present. So I uh, walked away from everything. About six years ago, I came out, lost my connections to the church, to the ministry world, and moved to Atlanta with no job and no money and, like, no fucking resume because I was a missionary after college. And that doesn't exactly, like, translate into the workplace. Right. Right. And i um been making it work ever since. You know, fast forward six years later, I now have my master's degree. Uh, I go to a really amazing, affirming, um, queer, black Baptist church here in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I published my first book. I am coaching full time. as a, I'm a spiritual director and a coach. And now a lot of my work is focused on helping people who come from worlds that are really, really conservative, that have a bunch of toxic theology, that have been affected by religious trauma. But still also have this connection to spirit that they don't understand <laughs> And I help move people from being afraid of God into learning that God always loved them and that God is actually love and God is, you know, actually loving them. Uh, so my book um, tackles a lot of those like uh, toxic beliefs that I carried for so long and how I learned to undo them both through classical hermeneutical methodology, which basically means like the lens through which we look at something, like changing it and getting critical and looking at it in response with black liberation theology and, you know, ph- feminist, uh, Asian feminist, post-colonial theologies, like basically getting everyone in the conversation so that we can say, hey, this colonial theology, this white theology that allows for black bodies to end up in the street, that can allow for uh, families to kick out their queer kids, that can allow for discrimination against women and their bodies, to the discrimination against trans people being able to use a f- fucking toilet. I mean, like... The list goes on and like people take their lives. People are still killing themselves because people are hearing God doesn't love you. And uh, I don't want that, <laughs> point blank period. Like I do not believe that the, like that. Pe- that death is the heart of God, nor do I think death is like a good fruit of a, of a theology. So if your theology is causing other people to kill themselves, if your theology's end result is uh, harm and death, then at minimum, people need to go back and start like, you know, recon- at least reconsider, like that's the most- we're in right now as a country is like look at the data and just consider the fact that maybe maybe people are upset for an
0: actual reason yeah maybe uh we the straight cis cis white man was wrong about something maybe we're mm-hmm. the bad guy mm-hmm. um and i think that's you know that's the conclusion that a lot of people are coming to is that oh wait we are yeah. um, and it's, it's i mean a- i think which is like it's 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 enlightening to see mm-hmm. yes we are it's also i mean i i can't speak against uh, i can't speak not selfishly, it, it is scary to know that me and people like me have been running this world and have been doing such a poor job of but, it for so long.
2: And what's interesting too, I think, is remembering, I think that a lot of people will hear that and they start feeling really guilty about it. And when I think people start waking up to their privilege, or like, well, what do I do about this? How do we fix this thing? I Or, it's, or they have the reaction of, it's not my fault, I didn't own slaves. Um, or it's not my fault, I have a gay right. cousin, I would never make fun of him. Or... I have a trans person that I worked with at Starbucks one time. Like they all have that one story. It's like I'm not, you know, I don't hate women. I'm not a misogynist. I have a sister. Uh, it's all those different things. Right. It's just like no, no, no. Like it's white privilege is uh, is not your fault. It is merely your responsibility. Um, and so it's it's the same thing with any sort of thing. Like my Angela said, when you know better, you do better. And the problem is, is that too many people have known better for too long and have sim have continued to perpetuate a system that does not do better for more people. And so I think like a lot of my work, in addition to doing like, because I think the spiritual, the political uh, and the personal are all the same thing. Um, And I think if, if you can start getting people to start care, like seeing like, like bearing witness to the suffering of other people so they can bear witness to the suffering in themselves, that I think will start to shift minds. But that's like my metaphysical junkie (laughs) self-talking.
0: The more metaphysical junkie I can get, the Uh. better just, but yeah, uh.
2: that's um, yeah, that's what I do. Um, I'm a coach. I'm also a tarot reader. Um, uh, so I sling cards. Um, and talk to Jesus. <laughs> there you and go. Some people look at this like you can't talk to Jesus and be a tarot card reader. And I'm just like, watch me do me, bitch, because I do so.
0: <laughs> right. It is so. I think that's. I I I didn't plan on getting overtly. Uh, critical in this conversation, but I, love getting I think what so often we run into when when people who are foreign to the church or have these clear, obvious issues with it is, you know, you talk to some straight white folks who are like, oh, I love the church. It's this amazing community and everybody's so friendly and you're going to love it. But it doesn't take long for somebody who's looking at that to deconstruct a teaching or deconstruct a firmly held mm-hmm. belief. Or, you know, if, if homosexuality is a sin, why isn't mixing fabrics a sin? Why isn't... Mm-hmm know, why are we picking and choosing what is mm-hmm. evil what is the devil and and more and, and, and what is also wrong.
2: historically who has chosen what we keep around that's the thing it's always the people it's just like how how is it that Martin Luther 200 you know 500 years ago gets to make a call about my sex life now you know why and also just like you know if we you know held up to the things Martin Luther said he hated Jewish people like that's the complicated history of uh you know one of the fathers of Protestantism is that he hated Jews and wrote about how we should burn their synagogue. so like you know I I don't want to like I I think folks apply like hermeneutic And ideas from like two thousand years ago, and try to put it on a twenty first century context, and I'm like, that makes zero logical sense. But unfortunately, evangelical Christianity is not interested in logic.
0: Well, and what what interests I know right? What interests me so much about it is it's like it's like the interpretation of Romeo and Juliet, right? I'm just going to simplify it as much as I can. There's the scene in Romeo and Juliet where Juliet says, "Wherefore art thou Romeo?" And every English teacher has agreed that that means. Why is your name Romeo? Why Why do you have to be from the opposite family? And that's fine, but it is also like not allowing for alternate interpretations. And I feel like what's happened is over time, we just drill down these interpretations and then you go and get your MDiv and you drill down these interpretations and then you spout them off without like reading the text and really interpreting, interpreting it your own way and your own, with your own eyes and your own mind. And I feel like so often... That is what happens. Now I know that's what Shakespeare meant, and that is a correct interpretation. But do you know what I mean? Like, there's just there is so much inherited bullshit. Yes, yes. It's the it's the monkeys in the yeah. ladder, and that's it. Then, like, I think that
2: is something that um, we're recognizing all around with these different systems of power. Is it's like who's interpreting anything? Who's interpreting history? Who's interpreting the law? Who's interpreting um, you know public policy? go across the board um but especially like with this um with what we see in and like not to pick on evangelicalism but they're kind of the source of like a lot of suffering right now in this country um and the, and the nominal like trump or like trump american uh neo-fascist religious folk um but the uh it is uh it's become less about actual theology and more about some symbols and phrases that can conjure up in people um Ah, this anxiety which drives them to be people who like are allowed they allow their moral standards to fall because they're told that they'll be powerful or that they'll be protected um it's like it's like they're being appealed to on the basis that they are afraid and that to me you need like any sort of religious political thing that is like you're drawing on people's fear like that's not healthy a and b i think it's bad karma because like you <laughs> I'm not saying that I know what happens after we die, but what I am saying is that a million more lifetimes probably would not be enough to, like, pay penance on what this man in the White House has been doing, in my opinion, but I'm not judge and jury i'm just full of grace you know i just love people so
0: that is that is a huge thing so circling back to from what we're talking about to the the film that yes. we reviewed at hand and then i guess maybe going in a completely Bring different on direction ever our audience for the most part not for the most mm. part but a large portion of our audience is kids aged i don't know we'll say 15 to 25 hey kids who <laughs> uh who Probably very few of them probably related to Army Hammer in this film. Most most were on the side of of Timothy, uh, Elio. What what message do you send to those children, and what is to be gathered from from this film and from what's going on in the world, and how do we interpret all of that, and how do we internalize that, especially at a young age yeah. when when like a lot of kids, you know, they they didn't ask for this world; they were raised to be in this world. Yeah. You know,
2: I I look at stories like, Call Me By Your Name, and, like, it paints, uh, both... It, it paints two things. One, like, a very real lived experience of so many LGBTQ people in that time frame in the world. And at the same time, like, it's also, like, uh like, within, like queer media in general anytime that there's like a gay character something tragic has to happen we got a gay show somebody's got to get killed through gay bashing you got a trans character they're probably gonna die of right. AIDS like it's like there's all of these different tropes so when you see queer characters on screen flourishing it's such like a beautiful and rare thing like uh like around the same time Call by your name i think it was like love simon came out and was just like that was one of those examples of just pure just like you know he had a hard time coming up but just like you know he got to he got the guy in the end fell in love everything was happy and it was a simple rom-com
0: well i was going to talk to you about uh love simon because i feel like you know this show stays pretty lighthearted. we started the show doing like marvel Mm -hmm. movies and we do like big blockbuster superhero Mm -hmm. films And when it comes to Black History Month and Mm -hmm. Pride Month, we always try to, I mean, we want to cover films Mm -hmm. within the genre and that honor, you know, creators of, Mm -hmm. of, you know, Black and LGBTQ communities. And, and to be perfectly honest, I'll own it right now. We totally skipped Black History Month this year and that's that's on us um, and and for that i apologize but when it comes to these movies we generally cover lighter yeah. topics we're we are talking in this episode about deeper things than we have ever wow. talked about this wow
2: sorry that i that's where i live
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, i know and that's actually why i really wanted to chat mm. with you like th- this is exactly the kind oh. of conversation i was hoping good, for good, good. but what's interesting to me is there are like we did love simon last year for pride which was the first year we did pride month there aren't other gay rom-coms it's not
2: popular ones
0: like period not popular ones not ones that i can say hey it's on netflix go watch it nothing on so
2: the popular can, level you know, where like straight people are also watching it and enjoying it you
0: exactly
1: yeah a- well i made like a hundred million dollars or something which isn't nothing like it, mm-hmm. it that is bad is more than nothing
0: oh yeah absolutely it's more than this and so i i think that's so interesting and i'm i'm curious your thoughts on this how do you feel about you know every and it sounds like we were getting into that every lgbtq plus movie is like horribly tragic or like high art because Mm -hmm. pop directors won't touch it
2: yeah i it's uh i think it's becoming easier and i think that we can just see that from like how culture has been shifting like um like you saw i don't know if like you guys are fans of rupaul's drag race um but like the fact that it's got emmy like it's won emmys and like it's like such like a mainstream popular thing now like it's a household name Uh, i think that has something to do with the shift in people Being more open to LGBTQ content, Um, but I, I again, like I, I don't have capacity for like really a bunch of heavy stuff all the time because uh, my work is generally really heavy. I'm just so I work with people like talking about their religious trauma all day long, and so for me, like sitting down to watch Call Me by Your Name, like I need to drink a whole bottle of red wine prior to that to get myself like (laughs) uh, sedated enough to stay in the room. um right but it's um i think it's something that's changing um i think like there are certain like wonderful outlets like um Vem that has become such a powerful like resource and like voice of queer people for like for and by queer people um there's a lot of really cool independent films that like a lot of like like there's like when you're when you get the gay agenda there's like a list in the front that says movies that you have to know and so Right, there's still wonderful things. And there's also like beautiful documentaries that like illustrate like the, our history and like what we've been through. It's if you haven't watched one, go watch Paris is Burning. It's on Netflix right now. Um, but it's about the. I've heard ropes. of that, but not actually ball. experienced it. Oh, it's so good! If you watch Pose on FX, it's based in the same time period um, as um, Paris is Burning, and you can see an homage to many of the actual people who who were part of that um, part of that world. So yeah, sorry, I'm all, I'm off I'm off topic again. But I uh, I I think being able because I was thinking about like the first time I saw myself in uh, like on TV like was actually Glee like it was the gay character on Glee and my mom was like really chill. With the fact that this character was gay, and yet she also like put me in reparative therapy, so like riddle me that. It's like a lot of people just like don't get the connect. And so it's like, it's... Kurt
0: didn't have a mom.
2: See? (laughs) So it's it's one of those things where, like, being able to... I think that's the power of of films like Love, Simon. It's a very lovely, basic storyline. It's easily digestible. And it humanizes queer folks for other people who don't normally interact with LGBT folks. Um, And I think it's... That's why it's important to have movies that are just, you know, not all tragic. And I'm not saying that the tragedy isn't beautiful, but...
1: And Simon is, yeah, the most regular white dude you could ever get. He does regular white dude things and makes regular white dude mistakes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I think about... What, I, what One thing I love about Love, Simon is when I compare it to other films, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about The Fault in Our mm-hmm. Stars and Perks of Being a Wallflower, mm-hmm. which is significantly more tragic. Uh, and I just like it, it fits into this teen, ro- teen rom-com that, that really brings me so much joy because while I love Call Me By Your Name mm-hmm. and that we get these high art films in this mm-hmm. genre... It is not the easy like you're exactly right. It is not the easiest to just sit down and watch mm-hmm. something so beautifully tragic. Something sometimes you didn't need something more digestible. Mm-hmm. And I think things like Drag Race and Glee are great examples of that, but I'm not a TV person. I'm a movie mm-hmm. guy and there are, like aren't options yeah. for that for
1: me. I will tell you this was not the tragically gay think piece that I thought it was going to be, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, because I had I, so never seen this movie going into this. Um, mm-hmm. It just sort of slipped under the radar mm-hmm. for that year. It, it, you tell me there's like an, an you know, an Oscar nominated movie made by an Italian director about two gay men that fall in love. Like, that is that is such a heavy burden to put on that movie that like you, you, you can kind of pull together images of what you think that movie is going to be like. Mm-hmm. And this is miles more simple and more beautiful. And you get to just live in the world of these two yes. people caring about each other. Even if it's just for the summer, you know, mm. and, and it sucks how it ends and everything that he, he goes oh. back to his life, he goes back to his wife, and that is obviously tragic. But for a while, just for a minute, mm-hmm. well, for, for like 55 minutes, you get to just be there with them. So,
2: yeah, they were Demi Lovato cool for the summer. They were really enjoying it. Yes. And well, I mean, I,
1: I said this to Tyler earlier. It's just gay, dirty dancing.
2: <gasps> how dare you? But also not, that's also tea. Let's be honest. <laughs> in in, in uh, some it? ways yes but like you know dirty dancing is so, so iconic it's just like i was like i don't like to mix like apples and oranges
1: well obviously there's there's a there's a fork in the road at some point in those two movies and they <laughs> they diverge but it's, it's the same for a while you get to just live mm-hmm. with these two people falling yeah. in love and there's and and you know they they go swimming and they do the things in the water and and it's you know imagery pushing these two things together mm. like that and this is just this is something so much simpler and more upbeat than I thought mm. possible from it.
2: Yeah. I and I was
1: very grateful for that because it just feels normalizing.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's that—that's the it big is. thing is like, let's make those, you know, the like the scenes of two men making love or making out or like. You know, being sexual with one another, let's make it normal. It's like, that's the thing that it's, it's like the same reason, like, um, you know, it's, it's the reason we have laws against this because it wasn't normal. You know, people didn't think it was normal. Right. And so I think that, and how much, n- I think there's like a very beautiful kind of like maybe, uh, made a meta narrative, like talking about how like they were out in nature a lot when they were together and how it was mm-hmm. almost like, if I'm looking at it from like a literary standpoint, That for Elio was kind of like his Garden of Eden moment where like, you know, he had, you know, tasted of something that was good. And then also realizing it like once you taste like the fruit of knowledge of good and evil, it's just like you recognize that things perish. And so for Elio, that was his heartbreak for the first time, tasting something so good, so lovely, and also something that couldn't last. And he accepted it anyways, which is something that many of us don't have the guts to do because that's vulnerability to know that like, I have to let this go. It's like, it's non-attachment to the nth degree but also like, you know, letting yourself fall in love.
1: Right. There, and there was always an expiration date. I mean, he was there mm-hmm. for six weeks and then he'd be gone. And, you know, I mean, there's there's those stories flooded throughout our, you know, especially straight white history of romance of these mm-hmm. like, again, it's, you know, it's cool for the summer. Mm-hmm. And to show that with these just two fairly normal men.
2: It's mm-hmm. good stuff. Really,
1: it's obviously not wet, hot American summer, but it's it's it shares some some headspace there. Mm hmm. In ways that now are important for people, young people that are watching these movies. Mm -hmm. It's more like Bandcamp than anything for me. (laughs) Now,
0: Kevin, I want to ask you Mm. a question. Uh, Elio Elio is supposed to be playing a... Supposed to be 17, and Oliver is supposed to be 24. Mm. Now, if either of those characters were female in a heterosexual relationship, I think this film would make people, like, reasonably pretty uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Why... Why is that not the case here? Because I like it didn't bother <laughs> yeah. me in the slightest. That was
2: something that I was looking at before, and I was like, oh, that feels a little weird for me. Um, and at the same time, like I, I think I, I think I, I talked to some of my older gay friends, and just like they, like I was like, so y'all aren't phased with this? It's like, well, yeah, like in like the seventies and eighties, like you know, if you were seventeen and you got kicked out of your house, or just like you know, it was really common for you know guys around that age to have relationships with guys who were just a little bit older. Um, sometimes because it was survival, sometimes it was just because, like, I fell in love, and that's just the era um right so i think i'm gonna i would chalk it up to that um because especially because like lgbtq people like their love had to be secret and so like you find somebody that you actually connect with that you actually like can fall in love with even if there's like an age difference it's like i'm gonna take it where i can get it um so i think it would definitely be different nowadays um but uh at least that's uh that's what some some folks told me i've kind of just like it's i think that. There was also the issue, with, I think, about power in relationships. And it felt to me like Elio was kind of exercising a lot of his own power by like pursuing this relationship in the first place. Um, so for me, it didn't look like manipulation at all. So, I'm not an expert. Um, people can have their feelings about it. I don't have any feelings about it personally. I thought it was kind of... Uh, I just, I just wanted to be near Army Hammer the entire time. I was so, so. Um, <laughs> listen, when he touched the inside of that apricot, I was like, I like literally my basement flooded. It was so much.
0: <laughs> it's, it's quite literally. To get back to your, to your metaphor, it is quite literally the forbidden yeah. fruit. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, the people making this movie were not stupid. <laughs> let's, let's be real it's here. Like, let's, you, is... let's
2: like, let's use some really clear imagery in case they miss it.
1: Right,
0: right. There is a tree in the garden. There is somebody you can't have. But then you can. But then yeah, you can. It is like... Thanks to a snake. Oh my gosh. Oh, oh, oh. Oh. Listen, so here,
2: here's, the, here's also the true tea about I'm such like a... I love reframing old stories, like Eve in general. um, The story, like as some people will look at the snake, I'm just like, he's actually, he might be the hero of the story in some ways because he is the one who puts it in Eve's mind that she could be like God and not die knowing the difference between good and evil. So really it's like this evil character was really the source of all of the evolution of all the other stories we would ever know. But anyway, sorry, that's a whole other thing
0: for another time.
1: Well, yeah, and that... I
0: think... I think I don't think it is, though. I think it's an inevitability
1: thing. I don't think it is a story for another time, because... Oh. Okay, so correct me if I'm wrong here. Have y'all... I mean, I'm sure you have, but I'm struggling to think of a time recently when you have been told in the last week more by strangers about how other Christians are supposed to act. And just people hopping into your... Collective spaces. I don't want to contextualize it too hard, but like we are in the middle of something in America right now. Mm-hmm. You know, if if are listening to this in the future, then just look up the data when this episode came out. A quick Google search will get you done. I promise. Yeah. but Like, or maybe not. I don't know. A lot of stories are being taken down. <laughs> I hope that you are listening from a place where things have gotten better and I cannot wait to share that future with you.
2: Amen. In Hallelujah. the meantime though,
1: in the meantime though, I have been told by so many people on uh, not not directly to me but on my social media feeds about how christians are supposed <laughs> to be acting and so many people coming to this with utterly the most bullshit ideas about what jesus would have wanted mm. for humanity and jesus right. would have wanted this and god would have wanted this
3: mm-hmm. and
1: it's just jesus would have been flipping tables 60 years right ago. 200 years People ago. are getting in like, <laughs> Martin Luther King's son and daughter's direct message, I mean, mentions to tell them what their father would have thought about what's going on today.
2: I'm just like, you don't fucking know that. Also, did you know that Bayard Rustin, one of his best friends, the person who actually organized the March on Washington, was a homosexual? People don't know that about it. They, they. They had a homosexual working for them. People don't know. People don't know it's it's so very interesting because it it's exactly that. It is a lot of um it's a, it's a sheep being it's sheep following a, f- a fake ass shepherd baby. Um and I could it's like you know I could break down like it it for me like I I try to like just like take a step back from theology because theology is not really important to a lot of people like when they say just like it's what's in the Bible just like you don't even fucking read the Bible like you like you're scared of losing something here and like let's break that down and like so whenever I talk about theology and, and things like that I always say like theology or a belief is only as good as it is helpful and so if a belief is leading to people being hurt and harmed it's not very helpful is it and a lot of people don't want to look at their own theology and say huh maybe my theology is not as a uh, perfect as I interpreted well, maybe my way of thinking
0: you mean hold on you mean to tell me that people's deeply rooted and strongly held beliefs that dictate the way they live their lives those are hard beliefs to change I know right it's
2: almost like it's almost like being a, <laughs> and like and I get it because like I used to be that way I used to be you know somebody who was an ex-gay now I'm an ex-ex-gay um
1: a born-again gay. You're like one X away I'm a born from... a born-again
2: gay. Hallelujah. But it was like I understood because like I held every single one of those beliefs. I understand how hard it is to change those things. And the thing that changed my mind was my a my own suffering one uh, from being like you know a closeted queer person but i think the other part of that is also being willing to experience the suffering um, of other people and so many people are just like i'm right i'm right i know that i'm right but i'm not willing to look at what like my beliefs are doing to this other person it's not my fault i got god on my side i didn't do it oh it's not what i think it's just what the bible says but love is like that that is you jettisoning your responsibility for my suffering and you need to see the connection between what you believe about God and people how you vote and how, and how your vote affects me because of policy what? And people and don't And they've never see had to take connection.
1: responsibility. They've mm-hmm. never had to take responsibility for their own beliefs. I would lay odds and I would bet my last dollar that 99% of the people right now hmm. telling me about what it says in the Bible mm. have only ever had somebody else tell them what it says in the Bible. Come on, mm.
2: listen. I would bet like it, my money and your money on that. The,
1: the theology is a big word that people don't want to hear. And it's a big, easy word to hide behind.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And all it really but means I, is I, like, I, theology is just theories about God. Like, like that's the thing. It's just like... People want to act like they know what the fuck they're talking about. But the thing is, technically, none of us know what the fuck we're talking about. And so therefore, if all we have is truly the experiences that we're having in this moment to gauge whether or not things are hashtag blessed, like that's that's it's humbling. It's humbling. And it puts us all on the same level level playing field. If we can remember that, that you and I are capable and charged with doing quote unquote, doing theology in real time. To be able to say to these people, you know, it's like when someone posts like all lives matter and you're just like, well, Susan, let me tell you.
0: Do they, Susan?
2: I'm like- <laughs> Do you really think I'm that? I'm just like, because as far as I'm concerned, it says in the good book of, Re- the book of Revelation, AKA the apocalypse of John. Also, fun fact, apocalypse doesn't mean end of the world. It just means a peeling back of something or a revealing. We're in the apocalypse right now, baby.
1: Right, and Armageddon was it's the like name of Africa. a field. So, like, let's you know.
2: Also, I used to not could say Armageddon; I had to say Armageddon.
0: No way! Like, oh my god, that's so much I was better. Just like,
2: y'all see that movie Armageddon?
0: It was insane. <laughs> I love I love Eastern Tennessee version oh of god, Kevin. I want
1: to I want to totally derail this for thirty seconds Ready. to make to 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 tell you guys about a a Tumblr post that I saw about a week ago. Um. It was a a concept about what should you call a mermaid once she gets married. And it was Mm. written out, and somebody wrote down the word Mermatron, but I and everybody else that read it read it as (laughs) Mermatron.
0: (laughs) Mermatron! And the comment underneath that was like, I was very
1: struggling to see how we got into Mermaid Autobots. And I was like, I'm right here with you. (laughs) When oh you said Armegadon, that's what made me think of that.
2: Listen, Armegadon and Merma, Mer, MermaTron. <laughs> I almost called it Mermaidatron. I was like, that's too much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're throwing too many syllables in there.
2: Too many syllables. I was speaking of like robots. I actually was watching. Um, uh, Power Rangers on Netflix the other day because I was so bored that I wanted to go watch some old Power Rangers and I did and I was like wow those Zords like they really uh, were technologically advanced for the nineties.
1: I hate Japan man.
0: You know what's weird? Kevin? I knew that you were watching Power Rangers the other day. Something in my heart told me. You knew? Kevin Garcia is probably watching Power Rangers right now. I had like the weirdest deja vu moment literally just now when you said you were and watching then, Power Rangers. I was like yeah. And then was. also two hearts,
1: when- one body. <laughs>
2: <laughs> as, as i went into the store the able sisters on animal crossing and they had some fucking like weird ass helmets and i'm just like i'm gonna buy a power rangers outfit i'm like i made it myself
1: absolutely look at you go
0: oh, invite me to your island
1: i have not played in My over a wife. month
0: Mm. my wife manages her again i I don't even have a i was really
1: hot on it real quick and then i completely just i put it down one day and have not picked it back up since then
0: yes and
2: there's no shame i i picked it up i held out for months and months on end but i need something um mindless and uh uh, mindless that i can like concentrate my energy on without like giving too much of myself to it it's like coloring for me
0: have you tried tiktok (laughs)
2: I I, I have a ritual of watching TikTok um, for about five to ten minutes before I go to bed. I know you're not supposed to look at the screen, but I need to laugh. Oh, and so nothing makes me laugh more than these stupid fucking videos that these people make and
0: they're so good. Yeah, I'm
2: just like, wow, like I thought this is and also like I've also they've also like discovered that I am a homosexual. And so now I'm getting targeted with all like the hot boys of TikTok and they're just like shirtless (laughs) and doing like dance challenges. And I'm like, well, I don't hate this, but also eh."
1: I wanted I wanted the clever stuff, though. Like I was here for what you were giving. Yeah, I
2: was like, I know that I am a hoe. I keep that's what I have Instagram for.
0: They, well tiktok has figured out i'm into dungeons and dragons so it's just like a lot of super nerds oh, for me
2: it's so fun though
0: like the the nerdiest of i've nerds. always
2: wanted i've never played dungeons and dragons before because it feels like a very large commitment of time and that's always my thing is like i'm a, i don't want to say i'm a commitment phobe i just what if i get bored and then i would feel bad that i would get bored in something that i committed to you know what i'm saying
0: i i know exactly what you're saying kevin garcia um there's an I-N-G in the middle of your name. I think that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin. Kevin Garcia. Kevin. Uh, I know exactly what you're saying, but at the same time, Kevin, I felt the same way for three or four years before I got into it. And now that I'm, you know, out and openly into Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> so proud of you. It's it's just like, I just feel so much freer, Listen, you know? It's
2: Pride Month, baby. Be who you are. <laughs> <laughs>
0: LGBTQ D <laughs> Oh
2: my God! Now you need to do a whole episode with like I know so many queer D and D players. Like, oh, me too. I on a oh, podcast. Oh, those
1: those with Venn diagrams are players. a circle. Like, let's be real here. <laughs> that is a, that is a powerful because. So I I am on d and D podcast with a proper queer person. A, a, I'm you a know, real queer. I love Tyler and and watching them just blossom through this is incredible these, these and i can see why why people that maybe don't feel comfortable being who they are would latch mm. on to something like this it is a mm-hmm. very powerful tool for people like that because you've got everybody in your life at that point telling you yeah be your your super weird mm-hmm. goth elf like go for it that's yeah. normal that is normal that is the standard
2: yeah there was a really amazing story that came out on the nancy podcast a few years ago about um, queer d d players and how d d has been um for people from minorities groups or people who just have never felt any sort of sense of community people who have like certain kinds of conditions where they can't go out people who have disabilities DD has been such a way for them to find a sense of creativity and freedom even within their own within their body and within the present moment and baby you know that's called that's called heaven Mm. Mm. so like when people like
1: you mean the thing that most christians deprive themselves of
2: you mean every single day just
1: just having having any kind of fun ever.
2: oof! I tell people like I really like that's the other thing is that like it is so much more fun on this side of letting shit go and so like I'm just like I'm so like if anything that like my journey over the past six years has taught me is that God is just saying take a deep breath you're fine like that is like the whole thing is like if you can learn to calm your shit down just enough Like, everything can be a lot more enjoyable. It doesn't mean that we slow down and stop doing our work and all that other good shit, but it also means that we get to enjoy it while we do it.
1: You know, so I I grew up Catholic. I I was raised in a Catholic household. Not a super strict Catholic household, um, but there there was a non-existent amount of pressure for me to join the church. I was baptized when I was seven years old,
2: Mm. and...
1: You know, I used to when I was young. I used to be afraid of Protestants because I didn't feel like they believed in God good enough.
2: Oh my God, I didn't believe that Catholics were real Christians until I was in, like until I was in high school.
1: Right, and now I'm afraid of now I'm afraid of Protestants because I feel like they believe in God too good.
2: <laughs> no, it's and like- so,
1: at some point in my life that switch happened. And I don't know that I could point to it. And I don't know that it was like a gradual process. It was one day I woke up and I was like, this is really weird. Why do you want everybody to go to hell? Like, why do you want heaven to be empty? Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. And I want to, I want to, I want to draw down, uh, drill down real quick. Protestants and evangelicals. Depends on what kind of Protestants, cause like, hashtag not all Protestants. Mainliners, uh, like the progressive Methodists, progressive Lutherans. There's a whole like bunch of branches of the church who like, they don't say that they disavow hell, but like, nobody really believes. Like, progressive Christians, we don't talk about the fact that we don't believe in hell anymore, but I think we should. <laughs> it's so much easier. I, it's not, it's like not in the Bible, right? No, technically speaking, no.
0: Not, th- Not the way that it's like portrayed.
2: Yeah. Uh um yeah brief history of hell um if we're looking at it like father abraham way back in the old testament he had an idea of this thing called Sheol, which was like the near east idea of just like after you die your body goes into the earth and your soul is just resting didn't really have much beyond that because it's like you know old 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 ancient stuff um around second the second time the temple was destroyed for the jews They thought, oh my God, God lives in the temple and God loves us and this is the source of our favor. And so when they had all their shit destroyed, the the Hebrews were like, oh my God, there must be something that God can do. Which is when they started to develop this idea of the life to come or what happens in the afterlife. Some people called it Gan Edan, which is like returning to the Garden of Eden. Some people just said, we don't know what happens. Which is one of the main fights between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Do we believe in the resurrection was their big debate. Fast forward, Jesus shows up on the screen. On the screen, <laughs> he's on a Zoom call, and he shows up on the screen um, and on the scene. Yeah,
0: they only let thirteen people in the call, guys. I just <laughs> yeah,
2: it was really hard. Now he did have that one webinar where he had five thousand people. Came with a, a dope, right? World. It yeah. came with a, me- he, it came he with a meal. He splurged that month. Came with a meal kit. Right. I'm so sorry.
0: Grubhub. Oh
2: my god, he did. Uh, <laughs> I have to stop. Uh, But so Jesus famously said uh, in one of the texts that the gates of Hades will not overcome the kingdom of God. Now, Hades was not a Hebrew idea about the afterlife. It was a Greek idea taken from Greek mythology. So what's funny here is that Jesus, who is a Jew, Living in a Greek-dominated Hellenized world is mixing religious traditions in real time, and like nobody sees that. I'm just like Jesus yeah. is uh, using, like you know, cultural things around here to to tell you like it's not about that. So really, what it comes down to is like, what do we know about hell and the afterlife? So we know nothing.
1: Right. Yeah. Hell was invented by Dante, not Christ.
2: Ding 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 ding. And the Catholic invented Church by
1: Dante was, to sound cool in Italian.
2: Yeah. And also made some pretty sick video games, Dante's Inferno for Xbox oh 360. My God, yeah. That shit so slapped.
1: good yeah 100% mm-hmm.
2: I always absorb people
0: Dante's Inferno for summer reading did not Nap slap did, yes
1: it does was <laughs> I never did oh it's, it's I, I mean it's but, it's kind of sick
2: um, I will say, um, oh, what was that movie? Not the the one that came after the Da Vinci Code. Inferno, Inferno. yeah. Inferno. Oh, it was just called Inferno.
1: It was called Inferno, yeah. I lo- I love Tom Hanks; he can do
2: no wrong.
0: Yeah, who argued that? Did somebody come in and tell you like, hey, just if you guys were talking about Tom Hanks, I, just I want love to let those you know, books. He sucks. I
1: learned everything I know about like European, especially, but like art like renaissance Mm -hmm. art from those books there's so
2: much good history like it's just like it's like the author was just like i want to talk about all the things i love but also like make it dangerous
1: right i need a i need a strapping man (laughs) in in a turtleneck so that i can tell about i can talk to you about art
2: yeah and then eventually he's going to move to new york open up fox books fall in love with meg ryan over email that's what i want
0: You think you think you've got mail? Comes is a Robert da Vinci code? story?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Incredible!
2: Listen, they're in the same universe. I think at least in the same universe. What? Maybe this
0: is- isn't Sleepless in the Seattle the same couple though? Oh yeah, so, is that also the same Probably. universe? Different lifetimes though. Right. <laughs> Could be. Who knows? Can't,
2: I can't know that. I can't know the inner workings of it. But let me tell you who I do want to come live with me in the next life is Timothy Chalamet.
0: <laughs> See I brought the full circle. Can you can you explain it? I, I don't I, I didn't look like Timothy Chalamet in high school. I won't pull that card. But I was like unbearably skinny, mm-hmm. awkward looking, big head, curly mm-hmm. hair. <laughs> I know that I was ugly. Why does he get to be hot? Um, well,
2: the thing about Timothy Chalamet is, uh, I think, well, like there's, um, two things. Well, his, First
1: of all, he does that to his hair on purpose, not by accident.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's one. A lot it's, of it's, it's on purpose. It's inten- a lot
1: of it is an intentionality is, is <laughs> it's 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 the it a, yeah it is yeah. a crafted look
2: yeah because even though he's like skinty and weird it's just like you know he dressed nice he smelled good he went out dancing <laughs> smoked cigarettes
0: how do you know he smelled good because um, he was in italy he smells like cigarettes everybody in italy smells bad you, or good or at least or at least good. they smell good, like bad. cigarettes which if you're into
1: that or at least they smell like cigarettes
2: that was before cigarettes could kill you right lol ba-da-bum, ba-da-bum
1: yeah the cigarettes were perfectly <laughs> fine in 1985 Everybody yeah, knows absolutely. that.
2: absolutely I'll tell you this is
1: the though as as a as a man growing more comfortable with himself as a person every single day this is the 80s I want to go back to not the 80s from stranger things the 80s where I can wear like a gold necklace and a shirt that is completely unbuttoned and no yes. one says a word
0: yes I want to go back to the version of the 80s where I can play D&D with my friends I don't understand what's wrong with this. Go Stranger no, Things. No, I mean, I'm well, not
1: anti-Stranger Things. It's just like, <laughs> I don't want to dress like Marty McFly. I want to dress like Army Hammer from this movie.
2: You want to dress like I am McFly. Exactly. That, that was a really, yeah. really lame line, but I'm going to...
0: So where where on the spectrum from like Army Hammer to Marty McFly does Ferris Bueller land? Is he more on oh, the... Oh, I think he's... Oh, um, he's,
1: the, he's the dead middle though. Because it's like, you get it's the vest, man. It's the like leopard print. Mm. It's the vest. vest. Yeah.
2: yeah, that leopard print vest. is It's one of those things where it's just like, he is fully aware that it is ugly. And he's just kind of like, that's the kind of confidence I have with like 90% of the things I wear. Is like, I know that this is ugly, but also no one can tell me shit.
0: I don't know what happened. I used to own a lot of really nice looking clothes that I was really proud of. And I genuinely, no idea how it happened. Since the birth of my daughter, no longer own those. Yeah, clothes. I
2: mean, because like babies throw up on everything. I hear.
0: No,
1: you watched uh, nah. Keeping Up Marie Kondo or whatever, nah. and then like bragged in the Discord server about getting rid of all your clothing, and Wait, then sat around just, like, going, "Where all my up clothes with go.
2: Marie Kondo. You like, combined, yeah, like, watching different shows this then. <laughs> Keeping Up with the Kardashians, <laughs> and then it's what is Marie Kondo show?
0: I don't know. Bring you joy five thousand <laughs> with the with the, the mur- <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs>
2: Marie
0: Kondo. Uh, I did, I, okay, so I did Marie Kondo some stuff because, but what blows my mind, Ethan, is I still, to this day, do not have enough closet space and don't wear anything in my closet. Eighty-five
1: percent of my clothing is still at my mom's house, so I cannot relate.
0: I um I'm a,
2: a lot of my stuff uh beginning of this year, so like I wear most of my things, but I'm about to move again because um I can't stay on campus housing no mo because I graduated. So um
0: Slay King,
2: you know, wait, what did you say?
0: I said Slay
2: oh, King. Oh, I thought you said Sweaty King, and I'm just like, where? I want to see that. <laughs> Um, maybe she'll put I'm my... sorry. You
1: live in Atlanta, Kevin. Are you not a sweaty king right now?
2: Oh my! Well, not right <laughs> now. It's still like early in the season. It doesn't get really hot until um, end of this month, like middle it was, end of. The...
1: I'm sorry. I went outside today and it was 92 damn degrees out. I don't want to hear it.
2: Oh, it was a, it was a nice 75 degrees today. He oh yeah, no, still it low. was.
1: I I went outside in like khakis and a t-shirt because it was beautiful yesterday, and then I almost died because I. Was gonna sweat to death
2: You know Death is Comes to us all
1: Summer (laughs) came real quick
2: Listen And then it's gonna be like That uh That uh, video from a few years ago where that woman is sitting in front of her AC and she says what do I need to turn this bitch on Power Ranger. Y'all remember that
0: video? <laughs> I do not. No but now we're back to Power Rangers. This is such good So content.
1: Kevin I was I was really excited to have you on because the, the community and obviously you know this was by no means us like cultivating it this way I think we have just presented enough open mindedness to sort of draw these people in but we have a, a non-zero number of people who listen to this show who have expressed to us in one way or another that they feel comfortable with their queerness in Mm. inside certain communities, but not on Mm. the whole. And so I was excited to have you on the show because there may be some people listening right now who have never had anybody tell them that it is okay to be queer, Yeah, especially somebody connected to the church in any way. Mm
2: -hmm. I, those friends are right on the money. Like, it's very interesting to, uh, to be on this side of my life and be able to look at... Uh, To look at the church and to say that that's not God To look at That rejection that I felt from this institution and say oh that's not love Um, and be able to really Mm. because like that's the thing is like the church loves to gaslight us and tell us like we're doing this because we love you we're telling you that you're gonna burn in hell because we love you we're keeping you from like you know embracing like any sort of like romantic relationship because we love you bitch we know what love feels like we know what acceptance feels like and this is not it like don't insult me and so I think that for anyone who might be listening to this who is you know you're exploring your queerness or your LGBT tq identity um it is the like i will say this there are moments when it was very very hard and still is very very hard and comma however i have never been i've never regretted choosing to be myself and loving myself the way that god does um because once i started to do that my life got much sweeter much more full and you know now i get to like talk about gay shit on the internet with my friends on podcasts it's really quite
0: nice you should try it
1: and that's the american dream right there right there no, I get-
0: there's nothing cis white dudes love more than having a podcast
1: that's true
2: I mean that is I mean I've had my podcast uh, for three years as uh, as well so, or I don't know how long you've had your podcast for but just like I've been on the internets and doing stuff for three years and you're right and also there's some really like it's fun like at the end of the day it's just like if you don't like it you don't have to listen I'm having fun
0: there's what a I- this is what I love about podcasting. There is this, like, movement in... Well, I mean, it's been a little quelled this mm-hmm. past week because it's a non, non-movement, non not-worth-your-time mm-hmm. movement. Um, but within the, like, internet community to just, like, bully people for having a podcast because in quarantine happened and they sold out of podcast mics on Amazon. And if you have a podcast, you are a sucker and it's like if having a podcast is what it takes for you to sit down with somebody that you care about and talk to them for an hour each week mm-hmm. then have a podcast mm-hmm. that, like if that's the a level of accountability that mm-hmm. you need then do it
2: i mean that's that is that's it right there like the reason i got my podcast i started my podcast was like very much the same as like i want to have conversations with interesting people and i'm not going to be able to have those interesting conversations unless i have some reason to talk to them creating a content Right. Great way to get people to talk to me. And
0: yeah, what is, what is your podcast? I actually didn't know yeah, you had It's one.
2: called a tiny revolution. Um, and it's the tagline is ordinary, uh, conversations with ordinary people living revolutionary lives. So it's a lot of people talking about a lot of folks like connected to like Christianity in general, but it really runs the gamut from talking about sex to talking about bodies to talking about queer experiences, uh, talking about race, politics, um, books, self-discovery it's a, and i will also say like it's like it's very much like this conversation here i'm just being my ratchet self and inviting people on the line and we're usually like you know sharing a drink and like cutting up while we're also like diving into deep waters because like even if i'm going out on a friday night i'm the person who's like sitting in the corner with the one person hearing their life story Because right. that's just how i roll i live in the deep
1: end listeners it is a phenomenal show and you should listen to it i've actually listened to it Quite a few times. Uh, it was recommended to me around this time last year by Caroline Scruggs.
2: Oh, my gosh. Caroline Scruggs is actually going to be on my podcast in a couple weeks.
1: Who introed it to me by saying, did you meet Kevin Garcia? Uh,
2: <laughs> me and, and Caroline, like, were, we both did lived I? in Williamsburg, and we used to do the same open mic when we were in high school. That's how far
1: we go. Caroline is somebody that I miss deeply, uh, and you'll have to give her my best when she is on your show.
0: Caroline Scruggs is an excellent human being, and Ethan produced an album with her, and you should listen to it. I don't know. Why, why are we not plugging this?
2: Hey, everyone. Ethan produced an album.
1: <laughs> I did. <laughs> there <yeah>. we go.
2: <laughs> Come on, self promo.
1: It, it feels weird promoting my own stuff in this moment.
2: Why? Well, yeah, in Just, this moment, sure. Yeah.
1: Gestures wildly. I mean,. <laughs>
2: I don't know why it can we feel weird right now. No, I get that.
1: Sometimes I forget. It, it is easy to forget right now that I am making something that is theoretically going to be around for a long time. Mm-hmm. Because everything in the world is changing right now, minute to minute. More so mm-hmm. than it has any time in my lifetime.
2: Right. And that is... A very scary thing for so many of us. And one of the reasons I decided, like... So fun fact about my book, not to make it about me, but to make it about me. Um, One of the reasons... It is about you. so much. One of the reasons (laughs) I decided to self-publish my book was because I was talking to a literary agent who told me, uh, middle of last year, she said, during 2020, the elections will be the only thing that make headlines. Um, And so if you want to get a book out, it needs to be out early 2020 so that it can make some traction before... June hits and all the primaries start and then nobody's talking about anything except for the election for the next 160 days. Yeah, Um, 2020
1: said, fuck you, Kevin.
2: Yeah, 2020 (laughs) said, not only...
1: Yeah, not only an election, but...
2: Listen, coronavirus uh, and economic collapse... Police brutality and and you have to move, bitch. That's what you gotta do in 2020.
1: And it's June 2nd.
2: Yeah. Just a minute ago, it was, you know, February 2nd, wasn't it?
1: Uh dude, it was.
0: That's the freaking thing, is that it it literally what this movie takes place over six weeks. Six weeks happens in a freaking uh, so I
1: would I would tend to disagree. So we went into like lockdown, like lockdown, lockdown, like the second week of March, right? And the mm-hmm. r- the yeah. remainder of March last. Lasted four hundred and twelve years.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes,
1: but it has. It was. It was April first yesterday.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, yeah. I'll agree with that. that. What
1: I meant by it's June second is we have. A lot of 2020 still to go. Yes. We're already halfway there. we're
2: halfway there. And. Do you guys like karaoke? Um,
0: yes. Yeah, I love karaoke. Actually, I liked karaoke. Uh, I had an interesting relationship with karaoke, specifically talking to you, Kevin Garcia. Um. Because we were in the music mm-hmm. program, you yes. and I, karaoke was not fun for me because I could not sing. But then I left the music program and karaoke became very fun.
2: I hated karaoke in college for the same reason, because I was a f- I was raised to be a snob. and to- I s- But mm, then, like, yes. now, I fucking love karaoke. I, I love hated karaoke
1: at- briefly for a time when James Swindell came up to me with a pitch pipe on his phone and asked if he was on pitch to sing Roll to Me by Delamitri. <laughs> He, he had like yeah. He had a pitch pipe. Call out James out right pitch. now. See
0: if I, will you do it. Will you what? do it? I'm, I'm waiting for Kevin to speak directly into James's soul. Oh no, He's listening right now, James. If James Swindell is listening, I
2: just want to say, I hope you're doing good. And also, the funniest prank that was ever pulled on James Swindell. <laughs> I'm not going to say <laughs> who did it, but I just want to say um, he was one of your brothers in Family Alpha. Um, but he pulled... Oh, this- we know.
1: He knows. Oh, he knows? Brother brother. Everybody knows, yeah. James knows. Oh, uh, okay. We know.
2: So it was Walter who did it, right?
1: Yes. Walter was yeah. my
2: roommate freshman year, too. Walter... Uh, put James's number on a bunch of like Chinese fortune so- style strips and like pasted them all over campus and left them everywhere. And on there was James's number and a line that said, call this number and demand Captain Crunch. And people did.
1: <laughs> they called him for weeks. It is the and greatest everyone... prank I have ever heard of in my life.
2: And also this was back in the day when just like you just picked up the phone for anyone instead of screening your calls because we didn't know any better. right? And
0: he just, right. he was... On James's flip phone, was,
1: yeah, this was back before you could get robocalls on your cell phone, right? Like everybody's still calling house phones. Oh my god! Good
2: times. I loved that prank. It was one of my favorites.
0: I'm glad that's still bringing you joy. It brings a tear to my every eye time every time I, time I think, think about, about it. it. Yeah, it's like that's a
2: solid prank. It really is. I think me and Walter, me and Walter, became better friends after we weren't roommates because i will um, i will confess i'm a better friend than i am a roommate that is for sure um, and also like sharing a single room for two adult humans <laughs> yeah in that kind of like why did why did we do this to people why do we hate ourselves
0: it the the college thing is so weird like CNU is so good about it cuz it's only for freshmen but yeah why do people do that je ne sais pas it's like it's like a 12 by 16 room with two twin xl beds and
2: also all these these giant like pieces of furniture that are clunky and don't actually let you organize things well like i feel like i've watched enough tlc or tiny like i've seen enough tiny homes that i could like i could probably build something better than this
1: and you have to share this room with one to two strangers
2: oh i only had one stranger back in my day when y'all came in and they were
0: like overbooked
2: because
1: oh i was tripled yeah for the whole year
0: i hate I had a third for, for a few months, but that means Stephen Plotz kicked him out. Good times.
2: Steven. Now we're just talking shit about people.
0: Stephen Plotz is Stephen Plotz is among my favorite is, human beings alive.
2: Um, I miss I miss certain aspects of college only because like I feel nostalgic for them. But also I think yeah. that I wish that I like smoked weed in college because I think I would have been a lot more relaxed.
1: We spent all of last week talking about things we wish we'd done in college when we covered whiplash.
2: Whiplash.
1: Whiplash, the movie. Yeah, about jazz music. Yeah, it's uh, about Christian oh! Allen.
2: Oh, yes, 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 yes.
1: Christian Allen hates that yeah. movie. Christian Allen. he, does does. he really? yeah.
2: Christian Allen hates a lot of things, but also I wouldn't call Christian Allen the arbiter of taste either. So like, whoa. Eh, where's my shade just button?
3: Just <laughs> <him>.
2: <laughs> Listen, I didn't. Next, oh, next time, I, next time I come. I miss Christian I Allen. I do too. Like, he was such a sweet kid. And also, he kind of got hot, and I, like, didn't know what to do with that, you know? (laughs) He was, like, still annoying.
0: You know what's weird? Even even as his straight friend, I feel exactly the pain you feel. Because I met Christian, and he was, like, short, annoying drummer guy. And then he was, like, handsome, annoying drummer guy.
2: I'm just like, what the... Like, literally, I just get... I look at people like that, and I just keep thinking, like, what the... The fuck?
1: Once every two months, Christian Allen will call me, and we will talk on the phone for like three hours. (gasps) Next time, you're on the phone. And then I hear from him again in in 60 days after that. Like, that is our friendship, and I I value him so much for that, because he just, he'll call me out of the blue, and he he has a sense for like when I'm good to talk. Mm -hmm. Like, he'll catch me, I'll sit down to like do nothing, right? I'll sit down purposefully to sit on my phone for an hour or whatever, and the phone will ring, and it's Christian Allen. And I'm like, how do you know? How do you always know?
2: It's like you guys are psychic sisters. You
1: know, something like that. Two bodies, one heart, or something. Yeah,
2: two. What was it? Two minds, one heart.
1: Two. I don't know what I said. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a long time.
2: I love that. It's been like twenty. I do want to say something
1: real quick. I want to. I want to get back to "Call Me by Your Name" for a minute. Okay? Bring it in. And I, I want to actually talk about it just from a movie perspective. Um, I don't know how exactly they did this, but they did such a good job of making this movie look like it was shot in 1985. Yes in a way that I have never, like... Seen before because obviously, like nothing has changed, like they're still using the exact same kind of cameras they use in 1985 for film Mm -hmm. movies, movies shot on film, and it's still the same film, but like everything else has just come Mm. so much further that you can you can make you know IMAX movies with film these days. Like Mm. the first IMAX cameras were film cameras, and it's incredible. But they specifically were like, No, we're gonna make this look like a bad, overly saturated, overexposed movie from the 80s. Yeah,
2: and I loved that. It was so delicious. It was like the coloring on it was just right the way that like they had the camera shots just like pretty stationary for many of the shots and just like would like pan like you would in an 80s film i i truly enjoyed that
1: Right, it is a very good cinematographer intentionally playing under speed. What a time. And, yeah, and it's just, it's beautifully shot. And, like, I want to go to there, to the place they're at. I want to go to Lake Guarda or whatever and in that beautiful blue Italian mountain water.
0: Another thing I want to talk about in terms of content of the film, because we are running low on time, believe it or not. I feel like we just sat down. Uh, There's a scene where Elio's father accepts everything that he is, and everything that he's been hiding, mm-hmm. I feel like so many kids don't get that moment—not don't understand that moment, but don't have that yeah. moment. And that scene to me is where all of the powerful dialogue from the movie exists. I mean, there's there's moments here and there, but like there's some really strong things said.
2: Yeah, and and also the fact that like his dad comes out to him at the same moment and says like I like I know what you're going through because I'm the same way. So there's there's that aspect of it of just like where his father's just like you know you got a gift. Like I'm never going to be able to have that um so there's that and then there's also like the conversation with the with the the parental figure to say like i see you i love you everything is going to be wonderful there is um there is i mean like at least i will say like for what i experienced coming out the first time and what many people still experience in the south is if you come from a religious background you risk the you risk losing family you risk having those really awkward conversations that don't do well. Like you risk a lot. But I I, I think that what I like about this film too is like we talked about like, you know, where it does it, it's a really good sad gay movie, but being able to show a scene specifically where a parent accepts their child then creates that moment in the imagination of so many people. And if you're able to create that in people's imagination, it can become a reality in real life. And like, I think that's why, again, it comes back to this idea of normalization. It should be normal for parents to accept their children. Um, And so being able to show that on screen more often, So when in my book
1: and like I I was personally very fortunate, I grew up um, in a household where I never really felt like I had to hide things like that or that I would have had to hide things like that. I never I don't think would have had to worry about not being accepted or loved or cared about. And like I was thinking about this today. This is, the, you know, my my father was never exactly like the world's most progressive guy by any means, but this is a movie that he would have, if I had shown it to him, he would have gone like, well, you know, I I just don't understand why they got to be gay. And then he would have watched it 400 times. (laughs) It is just like, he would always make weird like comments. And then he would watch blue is the warmest color over and over and over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And just like, I don't know. It was, it was a very weird kind of like, I just feel like he would have, he would have loved this movie. And obviously he would have loved me if I was gay and told him I never I never worried about that and I was I was very grateful for never having to worry about that um, mm-hmm. but I love seeing it in movies like this and again in, I know, you know I know we're not talking about Love, Simon but Love, Simon has a similar mm-hmm. powerful moment you know where the dad is like I just you know I should have known I should have figured it out and and you and you mm-hmm. think it's a gotcha moment in the movie you think oh he's gonna like say something horrible and he just doesn't mm-hmm. I think
0: what's so interesting about the, the Simon mm-hmm. sequence is he knew that his parents would be okay with mm-hmm. it and still had such a hard time opening up about mm-hmm.
2: it. Yeah. It's because I think in the minds of so many queer people, it's. I've, I've heard it said, and I used to say the same thing, I don't want people to look at me differently. I don't...
0: Yeah, the secret becomes your identity. Yeah,
2: it's just like I don't want people to treat me differently because I'm queer and their parents treat me different. And the thing is like... That is inevitable. And also, I think that sentiment is also kind of un- There's a statement behind that statement. And the statement is I don't want to be treated poorly because I am different. Right. It's and not so- that you
1: don't want people to look at you differently, it's that you don't want people to treat you badly. Yeah. Because you've and- seen it go bad for so many people. Mm-hmm.
2: And it's just it's like, I definitely want people to treat me differently. I want, like, I want you to treat me as the queen that I am. Like, you know, I want you to yeah. be able to see, like, all of the wonderful things about me. That includes this part of me. So I, I definitely get that, like, and so especially those. like, even though he knew his parents were would be okay with it, I would even say, I would, I would argue the same thing for Elio too, probably. His parents were intellectuals, they were Jewish, they had gay family members, or gay friends that would come over. So, like, there was this understanding and for both of these people that they would probably be okay. But when society shows you What will happen to you or like culture shows you what will happen to you if you you know are who you are it strikes fear in a lot of people so it's um you know it's hashtag it gets better
1: and elio was already fighting so many battles even just on small levels i mean he says at the beginning of the movie when he sees uh oliver's necklace and he's like you're probably the only other jew to ever set foot in this town and it's like Mm -hmm. you can hear so much of the the hurt and just the the you know what we now know and and call microaggressions but just what was then Mm -hmm. the daily existence around people that are different than you Mm. you know italy is more progressive than we are in a lot of ways and they're less progressive than we are in a lot of ways you know Mm -hmm. it is it is historically been a country of complicated people and I think that was a very good place to sort of set this movie and write this movie in because of that. Mm -hmm. Because like deeply Christian, but also sex positive. Like it's a strange place.
2: And it's beautiful. Especially for
1: 1985.
2: Especially in 1985. But it's, you know, it was an Oscar nominated movie. So 10 out of 10 for me.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it was very good. Very good. Very well written.
2: I mean, I know it's based off of book, so they can't really change the ending. But if it were me, I would have had them get together at the end
1: because I think that'd
2: be cute.
0: That would take its Oscar nom away. Uh,
2: don't give a fuck. I just want a happy ending. I want them <laughs> to be together. They deserve it.
0: They had a few happy
2: endings, if I Ooh, recall correctly. honey. Listen, But
1: I, I think that, you know, I, I personally have known people that have had this story that that would feel mm-hmm. themselves in this story of especially gay folks of the you know the 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 per- first person you spent that experience with the person that that made you sort of help you realize mm-hmm. your identity went back to his wife after that <sighs> i know people really in you know that, that come out in 2017 2018 mm-hmm. 2019 that have that story
2: yeah
0: <laughs>
1: but not in 2020
2: Like, I, no, like, I totally get that, because, like, I, um, I've had that happen to me before, where, like, I've been with somebody who's, like, I'm working through my, like, I'm working through my coming out process, and then they get scared, and then they run off, and next thing I know, like, I was dating one guy for a while, and then, like, two months later, he was engaged, and I was like, oh, um, okay, I'm not saying that you're not, like, I'm not saying that you're not bisexual, but I'm just saying that I know you a little bit better than she does, and I don't know if you'll enjoy um, that for a long time. That's all I'm gonna say.
1: Right. It doesn't it doesn't erase his homosexuality, it doesn't erase him off the spectrum. It it just it like, gets complicated.
2: Yeah, it's and the thing about it is is like I'm not gonna say that homie wasn't bisexual and that he wasn't actually in love with this other person. I think in like 2020, or let me actually, let me. I'm speaking from my own experience of coming from like weird Christian backgrounds. I know so many men who were married to women and had babies who knew they were gay the entire time. And yeah, because culture, you know, keeps us locked away from our feelings, they had to do something to survive. And so, yeah, and that's part a, of the bad theology that you, I talk yeah. about. It's just like, you know. Any theology that's going to keep people from being themselves is bad. And it's should bad be theology, d- yeah. It's bad theology, dismantle it, throw it out. Unnecessary.
0: Well, as much as I want to continue talking into the depths of the night. Into the evening uh, of the night. It is wrap time on, on bacon and eggs.
2: Wrap it up in a tortilla. Put some mm-hmm. hot sauce on it.
0: That's exactly right. That's all we're going to do with it. Tortilla <laughs> and hot sauce. <laughs>
2: You guys you put bacon, egg, and cheese in, in in a tortilla with some hot sauce, that is the perfect, it's oh, yeah, best breakfast ever.
0: I literally didn't even think about the fact that our show has a breakfast food in the name. Straight up. Oh my God, you guys didn't? No, I mean I knew that it was, but when you said that, I was like, "Okay, hot sauce and tortilla—that's that's nothing. That's just <laughs> that's just gross, bad."
2: No, you said bacon <laughs> and eggs, and I'm just like, wrap it all up in a tortilla. You just Come take on. a
1: you take a take a plain old you know mission tortilla, put some Frank's red hot on it, close it yeah, up. That's okay. breakfast.
2: Listen, some like different strokes, <laughs> uh, but also yo.
1: So going back into the into the <laughs> history of Tyler and I, Kevin Garcia was one of our first ever guests when we were on WCNU. <laughs>
3: That's right.
0: Holy shit, I forgot. That was the I night just, that
1: we broke the server. Oh
0: my God. Yeah, we had we had over 50 people listening at Which one time. Which was as that much that as the WCNU, WCNU yeah. server
1: could handle. Because we advertised on Facebook the fact that we had Kevin fucking Garcia coming on to talk on Bro Time with t and
2: I'm gagged that y'all remember that. That is so fucking funny.
1: That was like eight years ago.
2: <laughs> wow. We've known each other for a good bit, haven't we?
1: Yeah. It's been a good day. Yeah,
2: good for us. I'm glad we still. So
0: know that was each uh, other. that's a
1: little a little history fact. I was I've been thinking about it for a long time. I was like, when are we finally gonna get bring this full circle and bring Kevin on here? Yeah, and today's the day.
0: So as a result, this is the last episode of Bacon and Eggs. It's, it's been yeah, fun. bye. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's not. We're signing gonna keep on doing forever. This. Uh, do you, Ethan? Do you feel like the big board gets a conversation this week? I don't know if it does. I honestly don't know how you feel about this. What do you mean? Can we put this on the big board? Where would it fit? I liked it less as much as Little Women.
1: If we're just comparing... P- compare a thing <laughs> Comparing Timothy comparing. Chalamet movies. I don't know. I don't know. That's a big one. I might have to think on this one.
0: I might also. I don't know. You can, off you my can heart. have like a
2: preliminary rating, and then if it changes later, you can change it. Because we're allowed to change our minds.
1: Because, What's between, because so it belongs to us. Where's, yeah, where is little women on that list little
0: women is below hidden figures above once upon a time in hollywood Mm
1: -hmm. god what a weird list we have this year (laughs) (laughs) i could i could probably get behind that i did really love little women i was a big 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 i also women stan
0: i i also really loved once upon a time in hollywood
1: i mean it's better than ghostbusters let's put it above ghostbusters oh no it's it's i like it eh, well yeah we'll we'll figure it out later yeah go for it it
0: above ghostbusters (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's the kind of show we got here it's a little bit of everything isn't it
2: listen listen diversity listen we are, like when people talk about diversity they think about bacon and verse for sure they think so if it Murray. wasn't for
1: if it wasn't for covid i'm pretty sure this was supposed to be the episode about black widow originally because we we have to cover all the Marvel movies, so like that is that is an interesting way that our, our week our year has ended up. Is Listen, I'm pretty my, sure this was going to be the week we covered Black Widow.
2: My content calendar has been fucked like for weeks now. Yeah, ours too. So it's like you know what, just roll with the punches, take a deep breath, and don't get too mad at yourself if it doesn't work out the way you want it.
1: Yeah, I've so next week I'm no, I was just I gonna you? say yeah. My content calendar is non-existent. We are taking it day by day at this point.
0: We are, but next week, I do know, uh, it is not a specifically, like, pride film, so to speak, uh, but it, it does star the man who freed the slaves, and we will be talking Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure with Adol Rafi from Hey Riddle Riddle and Hello from the Magic Tavern, uh, and this is my reminder to you to be excellent to each mm. other, party on, mm. dudes, um... And that's, that's, that's my thing. I, uh, oh, listener, you may have noticed if you want to follow me on Twitter and Instagram, I changed my <gasps> handle this week because I just felt wrong about having the word America in my handle, which is like, how did we get here? Uh, anyway, my Instagram handle and Twitter handle is TyCarlin11. Ethan's at WowNow and Edgehill Photos. Kevin, where can we find the you photos across the photos one internet. is for the photo app and kevin is on the internet at these places i'm on
2: the internet at the kevin garcia that's t h e kevin garcia and at the kevingarcia.com and if you want to pick up my new book you can pick it up at badtheologykills.com you can find a tiny revolution wherever you listen to podcasts and uh, if you're single and you've got decent credit you can slide into my dms <laughs>
1: Oh, I love that. In addition, should, we're this going...
0: Is, this is my favorite sign-off we've ever done, so I, I'm really excited to get the very. End <laughs> we're
1: going to be giving away several copies of bathyology Theology Kills by Kevin Garcia. Oh! Tyler, you're the giveaway expert. Tell me how we're going to be doing that.
0: Uh, there will be a post on our uh, Bacon and Eggs pod Instagram feed uh, that you will need to like and make sure you're following us. And that's all you're going to need to do. Bonus entry if you share it on your story. Um... <laughs> And that will be going up Tuesday of next week. Winner will be announced on the show next week with Adol Rafi. Adol Rafi will say your name. We'll call you by your name. <laughs> call
2: you by your name if you call them by theirs.
0: Yes, but that's like the opposite of what it is.
2: Exactly. But yeah. In there's addition. No, there's there's yeah. no sex involved in this one, just for the record.
0: <laughs> right. It's it's just, 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 a, just book. a giveaway. You just get a book. But yeah. it's good. I wrote it myself. I, I like can... it. <laughs> I, I wrote it myself. <laughs> uh so we'll be giving away i say three copies yeah um uh, yeah uh and then
1: there's never been a more important time next. to say that our graphics for this show are by vation on brandon one of the best people i've ever met in my life one of my favorite humans who is my groomsman. yeah one of tyler's groomsmen who a lot more than tyler and i is going through some shit right now
0: mm. also seeing you alone yeah also so. seeing you alone oh, the Captain. dude's
1: incredible support that man in any way you possibly can I know he's got prints on his website. He's got all kinds of things going on. Commission some graphics, do something. We would not, the show would not be the same way it is today. And I'd not be the same human person I am, human being I am without Vaishan.
0: No, a graphic really does make something mean so much more, gives it so much more weight and value, even internally. Because if we were using just like a, a graphic that I drew and like uploaded, or like a picture of Ethan and I, it just doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel professional until you get that, that vendor graphic designer to like really make a difference in your podcast, make it look professional, make it look polished. And when we go to conventions and things, people take us seriously because we have a real look to us and our business cards look nice and our graphics look nice and everything has a nice uniform look. So seriously, if you podcast, or you thinking about podcasting or you want a podcast or a YouTube channel or whatever it is, or a t-shirt, email graphite.vmb at whatever his email address is. Don't type it in for me telling you, go to the description and type it in and <laughs> click it. <laughs> because I don't know what it is, <laughs> and follow him on Instagram. Uh, but yeah, make sure that you show Fayshawn all the love in the world. I cannot express how much we appreciate everything he's done for this community and everything he does just as a human being as one of the greatest people I've ever met. In
1: addition to another CNU alum, our music is by Andrew Scott Bell, andrewscottbellmusic.com.
0: He's
2: my music big. He is. He was my music mentor in the program when they still do music mentors.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had. I think I had. Uh, I think I had Andy Schloff, Maybe I know in the marching band. I had.
1: Uh- I had Buster Bigelow. I talked to Buster Bigelow yesterday.
0: <sighs> well.
2: I would have talked to you if I were in the marching band. You You did did. talk to us. I did.
1: (laughs) Kevin, do you have any final words for us?
2: Um, Well, I would just like to say that if you are someone out there who is working through your deconstruction shit, um, hire me to help you because that's what I do as a spiritual director. And I'm always looking to open up opportunities for new clients. Go buy my book, um, support black lives, um, support queer folks and queer businesses, um, take your medication, call your person, move your body in a way that you enjoy. Um, eat something nice if you're hungry. And uh, remember to take some naps because you're tired, probably. That's that's all I got. <laughs> and I love you. That's my tattoo. And I, I really like you both.
0: I think you're pretty brilliant people. You're very, very nice. I'm. Thank you. I'm so happy you came to join us, Kevin. This is an extremely yeah, valuable conversation. This has conversation. been one of my favorite episodes we've ever done, um, it,
1: for sure. I'm very, very jazzed on this. But alas... It is time to go.
2: Signing off. Goodbye. Bye, bye. Ethan, are you bye, ready?
1: Bye. I'm so freaking excited. Wait, so what I'm What happens now? I'll I'll play out, Tyler. Anyway, okay. thank you for listening to another episode of Bacon and Eggs. I've been Ethan Edgehill. He's been Kevin Garcia. And he's been Tyler Carlin. And until next week, arrivederci.
0: Arrivederci.